Welcome in to another episode of the My Two Bit Skaters Football Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. Randy, up in Gainesville. How are things tonight in Gville there, Mr. Randy? B, what's going on, my man? All is well in the land. It's nice outside, about 55, 56 degrees. Winds out of the east at about seven to eight miles per hour. Cool and crisp. Appreciate the, uh, the meteorological recap there. That's always good. <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> All right. So tonight we're going to do a, something a little different, as uh, you may recall, if you've been listening since the start. And if you have been, we really appreciate it. Uh, we did a season uh, preview to start this this whole pod off. And uh, tonight we're going to give you a 2023 season recap, kind of go through a few different things. So our agenda will change just a little. Uh, as always, we'll go through the intro here and kind of walk through our mission, our vision, and our agenda for the pod. So our mission, as always, is to provide factual analysis of all things Florida Gator football. Our vision is to have unfiltered conversation around the product on the field, as well as recruiting and overall coaching decisions. Our analysis will always be re- based on review of film, and while we will express opinion, that opinion should always be based in f- some form of fact. We will also evaluate strategy and tactics that we see and observation of player personnel decisions as well as on the field execution. So for our agenda tonight, we will start with our overall uh, review of the overall rankings for the offense and the defense for the year. Uh, We'll then take a look at the strengths and the weaknesses of the 2023 team. We did a review of this in the preseason of what we thought they would be. We'll do an analysis of what they ended up being um, and whether or not we were right or wrong uh, on this. And I think we were Pretty close, actually, with a lot in a, on a lot of these. So that's kind of interesting. Um, we'll then go through and take a look at our um, strength of our record and our strength of schedule. Excuse me. They'll, then we'll do some full season superlatives. Uh, kind of look at offense, defense, and a freshman honor to hand those out. We'll then have uh, a detailed discussion of changes we want to see in the offseason. So some things that we kind of alluded to last week when we did our recap and kind of what we want to see going forward. We'll get much more in detail about some of those things that we want to see, some of which, again, we have already seen as we talked a little about last week with some of the coaching changes. But what else we want to see going forward? And then, of course, we will wrap things up with our uh, farewell and sign off. So. With that, let's get things started and get into a review of the overall rankings we had for offense and defense. And for that, I will turn it over to Mr. Randy to start us off. All right, B. So season recap, really interesting, kind of nostalgic as we're putting these numbers together, thinking about the games this year and thinking about what we saw on the field, right? So I'm going to take the perspective of of the the numbers that I put together on the offensive side of the football. mainly from the perspective of our star position. So total offense, we have Mr. Graham Mertz, in the sense of what he was able to do, 257.1 yards per game, good for number 42 in the nation. All right. I'm going to keep the theme going with Mr. Mertz here, but uh, he was number 39 in the nation with yards per pass attempt. So this is one was interesting to me when I saw it. 8.11 yards per pass attempt. Of course, what was the main thing that we asked for and we rarely saw this season? Down the field passing, right? And and so here he is, number 39 in the nation at 8.11 yards per throw. So there's that. Um, When you look at overall completion percentage, right? Number five in the nation, 261 completions, right? Pretty good out of 358 attempts, good for 72.9%. Pretty solid. Uh, 
The other thing we're looking at, completions per game, number 13 in the nation. 261 completions, so that's about 20, an average of about 23.73 per game. Uh, and, of course, he did not play the last game of the season, so he has 11 games under his belt versus 12. So there we go. Passing efficiency, number 20 in the nation at 157.78. Uh, passing right passing touchdowns number 42 in the nation passing yards number 33 in the nation right passing yards per game number 27th in the nation at 263.91 this one i thought was very interesting as well points responsible for you look at some offensive juggernauts and some of the different players that we have that stood out this past season Old Graham Cracker made the top 50, number 42, with 146 points responsible for. Very wow. interesting, right? Just on 20 touchdowns and some change. He obviously had a two-point conversion in there. So that's great. A couple other things I'll, I'll turn some attention to. We'll get some love on the other side. Is going to be all-purpose yards, right? So all-purpose yards takes in consideration rushing yards, reception yards, punt return yards, Kickoff return yards, okay? Number 43 in the nation, Mr. Trevor, ETN. 753 rushing yards, 172 reception yards, 26 punt return yards, 224 kickoff return yards, total plays of 163 plays, and 1,175 all-purpose yardage for an average of 106.82. Really, really interesting there. All right? Next up, let's look at receiving yards. This might not come as a surprise to most, but, and this is what stinks about this, Mr. Ricky Pearsall, Slick Rick, number 29th in the nation. This, this was a heartbreaker for me, B, in all honesty, just because he was at 965. And I think we talked about the 1,000-yard number, right? Yep. So that was tough to see. But anyway, either way, 965 yards, phenomenal season. For those of you who don't know or don't remember, uh, we haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver at the University of Florida since 2000. And is it 1B? Two. 2002. There you go. Um, receiving yards per game, Mr. Pearsall again, ranked number 27th in the nation at 80.4 yards per game. This, I thought, was really cool. We have two in the top 50 when it comes to receptions per game. Our stunning... Tricky Trey, Eugene Wilson III, number 28th in the nation, 6.1 receptions per game. And Slick Rick, number 41 in the nation at 5.4 receptions per game. Again, and I'm going to beat this horse to death, but just wish he had more of that last game. Um, rushing yards per game, Mr. Again, Trevor ETN, number 38th in the nation at 5.75 yards per game carry well done trevor well done um red zone offense so this is something uh, we, we we might not have had a great scoring average we might have left some points on the board okay i i, I know b shaking his head okay we might have left a lot of points on the board um, <laughs> but at the end of the day when you look at our scoring our red zone scoring offense rank number 17th in the nation i know i i can see all of you now scratching heads 44 out of 48 chances we scored on for a percentage of 0.917, 91.7%. Here's the breakdown, Gator Nation. We scored 15 
touchdowns on passing attempts, 17 touchdowns on rushing attempts, and then added another eight field goals. So there's your red that's zone. Actually, that's actually really good as far as TD percentage goes, too. That's actually quite good. Right? And, and that's the thing. The overall red zone, and again, people red zone, right, 20 yards and in, really, really unique to see of all those oppor- out of 48 opportunities, we literally did not score like four times. That's uh, again, that's why we're at 17 in the nation. And the last thing I'm going to lead us to, and this is something I mentioned throughout the season, and a couple people asked me about as far as any relevance or not. But to me, this is tempo, it's control of the game, it, it does a lot of different things, right? You know, whether you want to call it Billy Ball or whatever, but time of possession, we finished at 33 minutes and 13 seconds good for number eight in the nation so when you look at that time of possession as most would say if you're controlling that ball you're controlling the line of scrimmage you're controlling the flow of the game your defense is getting some rest but anyways good for number eight in the nation i think that's a strong number hopefully we see that number stay the same next year maybe it goes up another tick a minute if that but either way great when it comes to ball control and what that means for the flow of the game so b that's what i've got mainly on stats especially on the offensive side of the football i like it a lot of a lot of good stuff to consider there that last one you bring up with time of possession so i think that is important with the way billy designs an offense right because he's run first right because he values um staying on schedule right as he talks about all the time with you know getting yep. the certain down and distances and things of that nature i do think time of possession matters in his offense obviously i hope we don't see his offense again next year yep. <laughs> as as has been discussed so assuming we don't i will throw that stat right out the window and i won't care about Important. it at all anymore right because because assuming we have an offense that is different perhaps a bit more dynamic perhaps a bit more explosive hopefully a bit more explosive right then i don't care about time of possession anymore because when you really look at it uh in recent history right time of possession is not a stat that becomes significant anymore um for the vast majority of teams that are successful on offense they don't need it to be significant in order to score right so that that kind of speaks for itself so yeah again in billy's offense it is absolutely necessary to your point i think it's i think it's very important to keep track of and look at because it does matter for how he wants the game to run how he calls plays how he designs things so that so that does matter However, if we get a change there and we see things a little more the way we would like them to be um, overall, again, I'm not. I want to make it clear that it is my opinion that Billy does get many things right. I'm not saying that everything he does is wrong and everything he does is bad. I, I, I really don't want that to be the prevailing opinion that I'm coming off with here. My issue is that because of the 10 to 15 plays a game that I do feel are are ill-timed or or ill-called in general, yeah. right? Depending on the situation, that's the issue. That's what needs to change. It's not like everything is garbage. Far from it, right? Far from it. We have a overall fairly successful offense. Look how many metrics you just put out there for individuals that are in the top 50 in the country. And overall, by the way, we ranked 48th in yards per game. That's a stat that I'm about to go into. And, and you know, so it's not like this offense is garbage. I'm not saying that. It just yeah. needs to be better than what it is, you know, to be really competitive at the top levels. 
right? It, it needs to be better. It can't be mid. And right now it's mid. And, and the things that need to change for that are those 10 to 15 plays a game, which I don't think can just miraculously change for him. And that's why I think we need somebody else to, to get involved with the play calling. So I, I don't want that to get misconstrued and, and me standing here saying that I think Billy doesn't know what he's doing. Not at all. I just yeah, think yeah. that there are some some inconsistencies that we need to, to get away from. So anyway, with that said, let's talk about overall production for the team. And we did rank 48th at 409.1 yards per game. And we ranked 46th, so right about the same, in yards per play at 6.05. So we were kind of right in line there, right? Our yards per play and our yards per game more or less aligned as far as the rankings went. Interesting. Now, I went back and I looked at 2022. We were 37th in total offense in 2022 at 424 yards per game. So about 15 yards worse this year than last year, which we kind of expected a little decline, right? We didn't think we could be quite as productive offensively without AR back there, right? Because especially in Billy's offense, where the threat of a running quarterback makes your run game better, right? We didn't have that. It's a more run predicated offense. We didn't think the passing concepts were going to evolve, you know, to an extent where Graham was going to be able to just pick everybody apart. He did a great job, but they didn't evolve, right? Other than in maybe one game <laughs> um, sure, to sure. where you could really do that. What's interesting is last year's yards per play stat, 6.58 yards per play, which was good for 20th in the nation. So what does that tell you? Way more explosives than we had this year. That's what that tells you, right? Way more explosive plays last year than this year. Now, in all likelihood, most of those explosives, other than a couple deep balls I can think about that AR hit on, were probably AR running the ball, right? Breaking a play and, and busting one for a 70-yard touchdown or, or a 50-yard run, right? He did, that, he did that frequently, right? So that's probably where a lot of that came from, or maybe just getting bigger gains of chunk yardage in the run game, right? Because it's not like we had a bunch more downfield passing. We didn't. The past time sets were the same. Maybe we hit on a few more last year. I think we did. But it wasn't like some massive shift in downfield passing from one year to the next. Again, the play concepts in passing were more or less the same. It was the run game that shifted so much. And, of course, you had a better O-line last year, significantly better O-line last year, that allowed you to run the ball more effectively, more consistently. Right. So so these were the differences you saw. And as a result, you saw a much more explosive offense. So it, it, or at least the potential for it. But you also saw a much more inconsistent offense last year. Right. So that was the downside. Had we been able to be more consistent, I think both of those numbers would have been a lot higher and you would have seen overall a much better record, a much better team last year. Right. It was the inconsistency last year. This year we were actually more consistent. We just weren't consistently as good as we were when we were good last year, right? That that go. was kind of the difference that we saw. So that that's kind of my evaluation of what we saw on the field this year. And I would tell you that offensively, it's kind of exactly what I expected. Like when I look at the overall stats and I look at these things, it, it's it more or less is like, yep, that's what I thought we'd get, you know, for the most part. It really fits right into line with what we thought we'd get preseason with the exception of Mertz probably, not probably, he did outperform expectations. He was better than we thought he would be. We, you and I, 
thought that he would be better than than what a lot of the projections would be. But he, I yeah. think, even yeah. outperformed what we thought. Right? Would you agree? Yes, hundred yeah. percent. You ain't wrong. Yeah, I, I think he was he was definitely you know better than probably anybody expected. However, he was limited by what was going on on offense. Right. So. When we look at the offensive stuff, I think that's kind of the story that it tells us, right? Not enough explosives, overall pretty dang consistent, and and decent production. You know, north of 400 yards a game in total offense is not bad, right? There's nothing bad about that. Is it championship level? No, right? No, it's not. But is it pretty good? Yeah, yeah, it is. So there's definitely something to build on there. I just think we need, again, more explosive plays to add into the consistency. If you can put that in, but keep the consistent play down to down, game to game that we had this year, now all of a sudden you're working with something, right? Now you're talking top 25, and then we're cooking, right? Then we're in business. So it'll be interesting to see how that can potentially build, especially if we do hire an OC and we're starting to hear some rumors. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. That's all I can say. (laughs) Um, So let's, let's transition. Let's go over to defense here. Um, So total stats for defense. I know you've got some individual ones as well that uh, to call out, maybe not as many individuals as we'd had on offense, but um, I know you've got some stuff to, to look at for the team as well. So kind of the same story on defense as on offense that I wanted to look at. So we ranked 68th in yards per game allowed at 382.2. But we were 118th. So there are 132 Division One FBS, excuse me, the, the, the Division One, Division Two thing may never go away for me. It's ingrained in my brain. So there are 132 <laughs> FBS football teams we ranked 118th in yards per play allowed 6.44 yards per play ouch so look at that comparison 68th in yards per game 118th in yards per play what does that tell you it tells you that when we were when we weren't making mistakes and giving up huge chunk yardage we were really solid when we were making mistakes and giving up huge chunk yardage, obviously that's what defined the rest of the season, right? And and that's a really interesting thing. Compare this to last year. Last year, we were 96th, so almost 30 spots lower in yards per game allowed at 411 yards per game. Mm. That's That's almost 30 yards a game higher, right? Just shy of 30 yards a game higher, but we were 101st in yards per play at 5.92. So again, basically in line. Right. No real difference there. Five ranks. Right. It's essentially the same. Super interesting. So our yards per play reflected our overall ranking in yards per game versus this year where it was completely divergent. Almost it was 50 spots apart this year. Last year it was five. (laughs) Just think about that. What does that tell you? It tells you that this defense was actually pretty good most of the time. You have some stats to back that up as well. It was pretty good most of the time, except when it wasn't, right? And I know you may be saying like, oh, okay, who cares? What does that mean? But it it matters. It matters because when you're consistently good, right, it's because you're doing the right things, you're doing the sound things, and you're not making mistakes. Well, this team was doing the right things, doing the sound things, and occasionally made mistakes. 
you clean up the mistakes and all of a sudden, boom, we are in business. I am telling you, I, I am, I am like 85% confident that this defense is bordering on elite next year. It requires some players coming back that we can't lose. It requires us staying healthy and it requires a couple of guys that were young this year, getting over the learning curve and developing the way they need to and tackling Jordan Castell. I'm talking to you, but if that all <laughs> happens the way I think that it could and should, this defense is seriously bordering on elite, not just great elite next year. I'll mark it down right now. It, it can happen. Not saying it will, but it absolutely has the potential to do so with what we're seeing on the field. So be very interested to see how that plays out when you look at some of these statistics that we're seeing. So um, that's what I got for for the stats on the D. What are you looking at? Like it, like it, man, and 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 that's it's unique that you say elite because most people listening to that is probably going, "What is Ben drinking? Is he is he drinking something? Is he <laughs> is he? Uh, I know he's in a hotel room. He's got room service up there. Who knows what's going on? It's holiday time. Um, but but and that's the funny thing, right? When looking at those numbers, and I looked at them independently of you, I think we came to the same conclusion. The analogy I believe is when it rains, it pours. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what happened. It, call it call it the the uh, as my wife would call me an extremist, right? It's nothing in the middle. It's either really really good, really really bad. Uh, you're welcome, honey. So, anyways, that's the way that cookie crumbles. So, the, on on defense, I wish I had more to call out on defense from a numbers standpoint, right? Um, but let me just go through some of the numbers that I have here. Overall, third down conversion percentage. Uh, those of you might remember a phrase coined third and Grantham. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Please, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I know. I know. Just couldn't get off the daggum field. And I tell you what, this year, a much improved third down defense, number ranked number 43 in the nation. All right. 52 out of 145 conversions, good for 35. 0.9%. Good again, good for number 43 in the nation. And an important blue... an important call out. Sorry to interrupt you. Important call out. Do you know where we went where we ranked on that stat last year? Tell me, B. 128th at 49.7. That is correct. That's an important call out. So if you want evidence that the defense is way better than it was last year, that stat alone ought to give it to you because that is remarkable improvement. Yeah, talk about the dark ages to a renaissance when it comes to a third down conversion percentage. Um, so that was huge. Now, granted, there were some different plays, some some wild plays that we had this year. Of course, at Missouri, you give up a, a, uh, a completion here or there. Just I know, sick. I know, I know. You give up a completion or two uh, in, in a couple of different games. Again, you give up a completion or two, you're 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 not going down to the wire, you know, in South Carolina. But yep. whatever it is what it is. So there's that. Um, first down defense. So this is what's tough about first because you talk about three and outs. So you talk about all these other things. First down defense. The Gator defense allowed 212 first downs, good for number 22nd in the nation. So from a first down defense standpoint, very good in not allowing the offense to get set, get in rhythm, 
get down the field. To Ben's point, when it was good, it was really good. When it's bad, it's really bad. <laughs> um, Again, do you know where we ranked on that last year? Tell me, B. 115th. Need I say more? Dramatic improvement. I mean, that one's, that's almost 100 spots better. That's ridiculous. So, again, these things keep pointing to this defense is way, way, way better. It's just making sure we clean up the mistakes and the consistency. And it's really not even that much consistency. For the most part, the consistency was there. It was just slips here, slips there. And again, it just seemed like every time we slipped, the other team just maximum pain inflicted, which again, doesn't always happen for the record. Like it's college football. Mistakes are made. It's not the pros here, right? (laughs) Mistakes are made all the time. Other teams don't always get the maximum damage inflicted when a team makes a mistake. But, man, it seemed like it happened to us left and right. It was just brutal, just brutal. So, anyway, again, sorry I keep interrupting you, but it's just this. I'm pretty passionate about the defensive thing. No, 100%. 100%. No, it's good, man. It's good. It's good. Back and forth. Um, Fourth down defense. Some of most people don't really take a look at the Gators, right? 4-4-13. For a percentage of 30.8. Fourth down defense. That's not so great. Huge. Okay. What happened? What did Ben just talk about regarding giving up? Giving up excruciatingly big plays, explosive plays, ill-timed plays. This was tough. It was still better than last year for the record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. But, but at the same but time, it's like. But that's still tough. That That's tough. That's a tough one. Right? Extremely difficult to look at, especially with some of the tight games that we had this year. So be that as it may, still top 15. That's fine. The other thing I want to point out to you is is uh, uh, to follow up with what Ben said earlier. I think it's critical to understand the age of this defense. I think it's critical to understand the amount of injuries that were inflicted on this defense. For sure. So when you look at it from that standpoint, the thing that's really tough to me is, anyone remember the name Justice Boone? Yep. Right? Edge rusher? He was poised to have a phenomenal second season. And, of course, tears an ACL, hurts his knee, done, out for the season. I expect to see him back next year in in full effect. Shamar James, he was pretty much our leader on defense this year. He pretty much took, filled the void of what Ventrell Miller was last year. And, Shamar, after that Georgia game, uh, again, we had some guys come and try to fill. Jordan did the best he could, but the loss of Shamar, huge. It was felt. For sure. It was felt, you know? And so hopefully, you know, kneecap surgery, everything's fine there. Rehabbing, it's fine. He comes back and fills out where we really need him to and excel. And so that's really what's going to make the defense, I think, more complete, especially when we look at these other pieces in here. And another point that I'll talk to is what Tarada Mitchell had said on the podium a couple of weeks ago regarding the future of this program 
the future of how the defense looks and how this can be perpetuated moving forward with these young guys. And the other term I'm going to use is scar tissue, right? There's not a lot of scar tissue before this season. Young, youth, it's really tough to build up scar tissue when you don't have that much experience. But guess what? There was a lot of scar tissue built this season. There's a lot of growing up that was done this season, a lot of learning that was done this season. So on that basis, that should spell a whole lot of insight and not to mention a whole lot of momentum and experience for these guys moving forward. Jordan Castell, I'm going to go ahead and single him out. Right Again, took over essentially as the quarterback of the defense when Shamar went down. 60 total tackles on the season. All right, 30 solo, 30 assisted. Tackles for loss, 1.5. Pretty good. Shamar James, number two on the team in tackles. Total tackles, 54. Okay, 23 solo, 31 assisted. 5.5 tackles for loss. Okay, and he did not play after the Georgia game. Correct, eight games, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Princely, you and Malin. Again, with him, we look at a unique season because we thought we would have done a little bit more damage in the backfield. Pro player, pro football focus had him ranked pretty high. Total 39 tackles, 22 solo, 17 assisted. But look at this numbers, 11 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Yep. Led the team, both categories. Um, and then, of course, Scooby, number three on team overall tackles, 53 tackles, 26 assisted, 27 solo, four tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. And they, so, were, all, and they were all in the first two games of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a tough thing, right? Seeing Scooby. Got, and B, you, might, you, you called it out. You know, after that, that Kentucky game. Yep. He wasn't the same. He wasn't and the so same. He, right? So everybody else coming off of him, Miguel Mitchell, 37 tackles, Bryce Thornton, 34 tackles. Bryce Thornton, true freshman. Bryce Thornton. Yeah, how about that? He only played in like, I think he only even showed up in like five or six games and had 34 tackles. I, I like the future for him. I like the future Love for him. It. Right? As far as he goes, he gets a little bit quicker. He gets the plays down, positioning down. He puts on another eight to 10 pounds of muscle. He's, he's, he's in great shape. He's your hitter, buddy. He's the guy you want to see knock somebody's teeth out. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm sure Major Wright can't wait to see that develop come into play. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, uh, you know, you have you have Cam Jackson, 32 tackles, Nunnery, 28 tackles, Cersei, 26 tackles, Jason Marshall Jr., who was absolute rock bottom in tackles through Game Four, is all of a sudden top 11 in tackles on the team, 26 tackles. Yep. And, and we'll round it out with Tyreek Sapp, Kelby Collins, Jalen Kimber, and Chris McClellan. So that is my overall recap of some of the defensive stats and numbers. Um, again, I, I, I tend to agree with B. Uh, a lot of opportunity. Lights out. Changing defense next year. Lockdown defense. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and, and two other things I want to point out just very quickly, and then we'll move on. What about second worst in the country in total turnovers with only seven? Yeah. And only 22 sacks, which is tied for 91st. So ranked very poorly in two key metrics for defense. And yet, and yet, 68th in total yards allowed. Right. What does that tell you? 
Now, granted, it tells you one that those two stats need to improve. <laughs> we'll start there. However, sure. however, what happens when they do improve? Well, you know what I'm saying? Because you again, you clean up, you clean up a few of those mistakes, you get a few more takeaways, you get a few more sacks, and all of a sudden, holy crap, this defense is lightning in a bottle. I am I am saying it. I stand by it. Again, barring injury, barring a bunch of losses in the transfer portal, barring some unforeseen changes that I don't think are going to happen. We're looking forward to a really good defense next year, and we're going to need it because that schedule's murder as well. So with that, moving along, let's talk about strength and weaknesses for the 23 team. Again, we did this preseason. We kind of went through everything. So let's get our takes. Randy, why don't you start us off with QB? Um, and we'll go through offense here by position group, and and again starting with with of course quarterback. Yeah, and and, and also I'll, I'll I'll take one step back. I believe you said the defense would be elite, uh, as I'm quoting you, elite. Well, I so. said bordering. I said bordering on elite. Oh, I didn't, oh, I, didn't okay, I didn't quite put us there. Which okay. which to me that means elite is top fifteen in my book. For the record, let me define that. So I'm saying we're we're right on the edge of that top twenty. You know, something in that neighborhood. I don't know that we quite get there. I don't think we quite okay. have the agent experience yet. But I'm I'm gonna say overall, like if you rank everything out, you know, points, yardage, uh um, yards per play, and you kind of average all that together, we're something in that neighborhood, 20, 21, 22, maybe something there bordering up to that, you know, top, top tier. Don't don't make me throw the red challenge flag. No, I'm kidding. Um so <laughs> Strength and weakness to offense. Uh, um, all I'm going to say is, is Graham Cracker Mertz did some things that I tell you what, in all honesty, remember us saying to the effect, we needed a field general. We needed some leadership. We needed someone to come in and not wow and not have these amazing plays and try and, you know, sometimes you try and do too much and get a grand slam. Well, all you need is a single a double, you move the runner along. And when you look at where he ranked from the offensive stats that we just went over, Graham Cracker Mertz did a lot of great things. Great, great things. When you look at overall, he did exactly what we need him to do. He did exactly what he needed this team to do in the sense of his cadence, his direction, his leadership style, and everything else he stood for. Everything else. The main thing that I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of is a little bit more downfield. Yep. That's it. A little bit more downfield, a little bit more utilization in the passing game, but that's it. Outside of that, the other thing that I really enjoy from Graham is seeing his reads, his progressions. Yep. The way you check now, the main thing too there is the fact that offensive line yep. need a little bit more time and the amount For of sacks sure. as we spoke to. But overall, I can't say enough about Graham. I, I can already keep going on and on and on, and 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 I'm not sure if Gator Nation feels the same way or not. But in my humble opinion, based off the stats, based off what we saw in some of the eye tests, he just did what we needed him to do and be a field general coming in here and directing this offense. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd say he did all that and then some, quite frankly. So we called for yeah. this to be a strength, despite the some of the predictions, right? Despite some of the the you know whether it was uh, he'll be mid or he'll be you know fourteenth best QB in the SEC or whatever the predictions were, right? We called for this to be a strength. Uh, it turned out to probably be maybe our biggest strength on offense anyway. Uh, I, I don't know how you'd really put a whole lot above it. Um, phenomenal performance, without a doubt, the most consistent position group we had, right? And I say position group, it's basically Burks, right? <laughs> Other than the last game, of course. Um, top completion percentage in the SEC, as you already called out, fifth overall in the country, 20 TDs, three picks, two of which probably weren't even his fault, really. Um absolutely thrilled that he is coming back. I think this is phenomenal for this team next year. I think having this kind of leadership experience, veteran presence, again, in a murderer's row schedule, I'm going to say that a thousand times. I don't care. This schedule next year is absolutely brutal. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It might be the hardest schedule in college football history. I'm not kidding. It's ridiculous. I'm really excited that we have him back from that to help us through it. I'm also excited to see how Lagway gets worked in the fold, right, for a play here, play there, kind of a little Tebow freshman year type of thing. Obviously, he's not Tebow. I'm not trying to make that comparison. Pump the brakes. Nobody's Tebow. Nobody ever will be, in my mind. Guys, <laughs> guys elite and 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 will is pretty much untouchable um, in my book. However, what I'm trying to say is I want to see that same kind of, you know, let's get him on the field here. Let's get him on the field there you know, get a play for him, get him some experience right in his freshman year. And let's have Graham show him how to be a leader, right? Because I, I think that is maybe as important as anything for Lagway going forward. Not that I don't already think that he knows a lot about that, but I'm just saying that Graham is is second to none that I've seen at the college level in, in, in really showing how to do that the right way. Again, yep. hopefully all this happens with a new offensive coordinator. So um, <laughs> just going to keep putting that one in there. Um, so with that, let's move on. Let's talk O-line. I called it a weakness at the start of the season. I think you were kind of middle of the road on it. I think you were kind of like, well, I can see some pluses with these guys. And, you yeah. know, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, obviously, it ended up being a weakness. I'm sorry to say I was right. <laughs> um, we never seemed to find continuity. We never seemed, uh, you know, to be able to, to gel, right? Both because of personnel and injuries, right? Whatever it was. This must be better next year. Period. It cannot be the same, you know, minus group because it it very well may be the most important piece coming into next year, really in general for the offense, right? Whether it's for the run blocking, whether it's for the pass protection, whatever it might be, we have got to get significantly better here. And at the end of the day, some of it's got to come through the portal. We have got to do a better job at acquiring good talent through the portal, At even if it's only at this position group. I literally don't care if we don't get better portal talent anywhere else but at O-line. Just get me some at O-line, please, Billy, please, because this team is going to be in a world of hurt next year if we do not have a better O-line. It, it is going to be a huge, huge issue if we do not do something about it especially when you consider the fact that, as far as I know, anyway, Mazkua is gone because he is no longer has eligibility. So you lose one of the more solid pieces you had. Kingsley is gone, so you lose depth there, even though I think Slaughter's drop-off is significantly less than it was to start the season. So I'm happy about that. But yeah. now you've got Cam Waits, 
playing one of the tackles. Currently, you have George playing the other tackle, which we know is a huge liability and has to change, right? He can come into guard, perhaps take over for Mascua, which would be great, but then we have to fill that tackle position. And I don't know if Cam Waits and Barber can both play him, but then you've got another guard spot that becomes an issue. And because and Richie Leonard was also a senior, right? Or I'm sorry, Lindell Hudson was a senior. Excuse me, not Richie Leonard. He's, he's a freshman. Yep. Hudson was also senior. So he's gone. So you've got to get more talent on this line. I love Richie Leonard. I think he's going to do good things. We'll see what happens with Roger Kearney as time goes on, but he didn't play very much, if at all, this year. So there's got to be some development, but there's also got to be at least, at least get me a solid tackle that can play in this league at the tackle position, right? George can potentially play in this league at guard. He can't play a tackle. He proved that all year. I don't want to see it again. So we've got to do something to improve that. That's really where it lies. This unit's got to improve significantly, whether it's continuity within the players that we have to a degree, but also it's got to get better through some portal acquisition. It just has to. I'd like to see at least two decent guys coming in. We brought two in last year, really three. We lost Kiana, obviously. That was a that was a tough deal. Yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. I don't know that he was going to work out anyway. I'm not saying anything against him that he wouldn't have. You just don't know. Um, but I'd like to see us be able to do something similar this year, except it needs to it needs to be, you know, at least one really solid hit again, if not two. So got to happen. Got to happen. So that that's where I stand on the O-line. What you got? I'm not going to deviate from that. I, I and when you, and when you look at great points, first of all, secondly, when you look at the the preseason predictions and kind of what we said, what I said specifically, I thought that size when you look at the overall lineup and you look at the, the height and weight, I'm, I'm going, okay, that's going to, that's going to yield some good things. Oh, but here's the problem with height and weight. If it doesn't move, if it's not agile, if it doesn't yep. stay healthy, we got yep. big problems. Yeah. Right. For sure. and, and so go back, go back to George, right. When you look at him from a tackle standpoint versus a guard standpoint, Damian George got feathered around this line this year. Yep. Right. I, it wouldn't surprise me. If in one game he goes left because he thought he was playing right guard, but he was actually on the left and he left tackle going back. And and, and it was amazing to me to see how many rushers just went right around him almost yep. effortlessly. I think I could have gotten around him. Um, anyways, <laughs> be that as it may. Yeah, it was tough. I really thought that offensive line, yeah, I, I was going either way on it, but because of the size and because of the amount of weight that, that they could take up. I thought that that would mean wonders in the running game when it came to the gaps and, and sealing those edges off and creating more opportunities for the running back core. And there were and times when what, that happened, in fairness. There, there were, were times, times when that happened, but it wasn't consistent. There were times, but it wasn't consistent, and times were few and far between when you look at what we did in Tennessee and to, to, to name the – and then obviously what we did uh, – when we went up against Missouri, because Missouri was supposed to run the lights off on us and James Schrader and, and what he's done all the year, right? Ended up shutting him down. Anyways, that was really tough to see the struggles on offensive line because you figure if offensive line play was a little bit more consistent, that's got to account for one and a half wins, whatever the number. For sure. For sure. You give you give Mercy another 0.8 seconds, one second, whatever the number, and as he's reading, as he's progressing – throwing away the football, whatever the case might be. And I'll tell you what, B, look at those three picks. Every single pick that Mertz has was not a clean pick. Agreed. 
agreed. The last one was probably going to because it was an overthrow, but but the sure. the other the other two, yeah, yeah. Tip tip hard coming out of a break, a slant, an option. Anyways, so that is what it is. So so yeah, that was really tough to see the O line this year, um, especially with Barber and the inconsistencies. Uh, Jake Slaughter, a lot got put on his shoulders early in the season. And I think he was much well improved towards the end of the season. Kingsley Agreed. on and off Agreed. with the ankle. What are you going to do? Lindell Hudson. I tell you what, when he came in there towards the end of the season, showed some drastic improvement Agreed. when it came to some of the run game. Right. But just again, not sustainable. And George, again, I agree with you. I think he needs to be a guard. He does not need to be in a tackle position in any way, shape or form, but yep. either way really need, this line needs to be robust, especially if what Billy said is true. He got hired here because of his mentality, because of his philosophies, and because of his abilities to control the line of scrimmage. I'm sorry, still waiting on that last part, Billy. Well, still waiting on that last part. First year was pretty good, not this year. So, anyway. Especially with two, two offensive line coaches, two co-offensive line coaches. Yeah, just well, that, needs, that needs to that needs to change, but that's another that's another conversation. We'll get there. Let's 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 move on to running back. <laughs> oh yeah, fire Man. away. I, I you know what running back core amazing. I tell you what, when you look at ETN and you look at Johnson, most people think, oh, these guys they're, they're competing for a starting job, this that and the other. We, we of course saw you know Trevor's brother joshing you know about you know free ETN this that and the other. These guys are roommates. They feed off each other. They want each other to do well. They're tapping each other's helmets, jumping up around, this, that, and the other. Really happy to see this core do what they did this past year. Again, wish it was a little bit more, but so happy to see them intact. Let's see the, if they will be intact moving forward for 24. And then Treon Reb gets a few touches here and there to help displace some of that load, maybe from a workload standpoint. That's going to be great. And then people, if you haven't forgotten a name, I'm just going to say Cam Carroll Cam should Carroll, baby. be back this Watch out. fall. Watch out for Cam Carroll. So for those right. who didn't see the spring game last year, watch out for Cam Carroll because that guy oh, looked yeah. as impressive as anybody in that spring game. He's explosive. He's got a great first step. Now he did tear an ACL, so we'll see what happens if he's still got it because sometimes that can mess up a running back. But, uh, yeah, watch out for Cam Carroll. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm pretty high on old CC there. We'll see We'll see what happens when he comes back. But uh, very interested to see what he looks like coming back next year. And, again, this running back room is just going to continue to be loaded. I'm right with you there. Uh, sorry, I didn't – I realized I kind of cut off the end of your point there. Were you, were you through? No, go with you. The only thing I was going to say, my player comp to Cam Carroll, and it's a stretch, but Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs. Because when you see Cam Carroll run, yeah. he puts his foot in the ground and he yeah. just goes at you. Kind yeah. of like Pacheco. I like it. So I like it. He's, he's, he's strong, hard-nosed back like that, a lot of, lot of power yes. in the running, but also has speed. I, I like it. It's a good comparison. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm right with you there. Still, obviously, a very deep room, ton of talent, only looks to get better as long as we keep Trevor. So for those who don't know, a lot of rumors circulating uh, around possible transfer. I don't know how true or how sound those rumors are. You know, it seems like when you get a rumor on that, everything explodes. As far as I know, he was supposed to meet with Billy today. Haven't heard anything. Wouldn't really expect it to today. Um, no news is good news. Let's hope it stays that way. Um Here's hoping we don't see that name in the portal. But at the end of the day, 
we have a ton of talent here. And even if we do, it's certainly not what I want. Obviously, nobody wants to see that in, in Gator Nation. There's no question. But at the end of the day, we'll survive it even if we do because of the talent we have in this room. Um, I did hear today that it's trending, looking like Montreal will probably not go pro. Um, so you keep a ton of talent, a ton of experience, and a ton of of volume of carries right in the room, whether Trevor stays or goes. So it, it's it's not going to be world ending if he does. But I obviously, of course, really hope he doesn't because I don't think there's any question he's the most dynamic and explosive back we have there. Um, would like to see him get a lead role, regardless of where, whether Montrell stays or goes. I want to see him kind of be the starter, right, um, and and get more slightly more of a lion's share of the carries. I do think it's good to still have kind of a two-headed monster there. I think it's better that way um, to mix things up. But I right. I, I think Etienne had, needs to take more of the lead role, kind of like he did in the Mizzou game, right, and and in the Tennessee game, really. But but I think it needs to be driven, not just riding the hot hand, right. Um, at the end of the day, it was the O-line that hurt the production of this unit this year, right? When they, as we already said, when they were good and they were solid, we ran great. When they had a bad game, we didn't run the ball well, as you might expect, right? It's really what it comes down to. So at the end of the day, that is what it is. So um, moving on, let's talk receiver. Uh, we kind of called this group kind of a wild card, a little exciting, right, to start the year. We weren't really sure exactly what to expect, didn't know what kind of production we were going to get out of some of the freshmen. Um, I would say overall, they really delivered on the expectations. Ricky, of course, exceeded expectations, I would say, without question. He was excellent. He'll be missed. He just declared today, obviously, he's going pro. I don't think he really had a choice, to be honest. I'm pretty sure he was a senior and didn't have any option yeah. to come back. Maybe maybe because of COVID eligibility, he could have come back for another year, but he's not. So he is going pro. Um, but obviously, ecstatic about Trey. Kid's phenomenal. Um and I'm also really looking forward to see what Gene Mizell can do next year. You know, we saw little flashes this year. Gene got hurt. I think that slowed him down. Mizell didn't show up on the field as much. I think he's got a little bit of a learning curve with the offense. Still, hopefully he gets through that. And don't sleep on Hawkins. So for those who don't know, um, Gerard Hawkins is coming out of IMG. And he is an absolute burner. He is probably faster than anybody we have on the team right now. And Mizell's really fast, <laughs> and Trey's really fast, as you've seen. And he could have a freshman impact, He's somewhat similar to Trey did this year. I think they'd use him differently. I think he'd be more of a deep threat, but he is an absolute burner. And as far as I know, he's a very solid commit. I think he's absolutely coming and could have an instant impact next year, kind of like what Trey did. Again, I don't think with the volume of catches, but I think as far as being explosive, for sure, he can fly. So he's a, he's a track kid, 4-2-40 speed, off the charts. Look out for that one. So that's that's my call out of receiver for now. We'll see where it goes. But but overall, um, I didn't really have whether it was a strength or a weakness. I, it ended up kind of being more of a I, – I will say it was a strength more than a weakness. I, I can't really call it a full strength. But I think because of Trey's emergence, it, it ended up being more of a strength than than anything else. So – um, what you got on receiver, bud? Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree one bit. Um, the one thing I enjoyed about this year was, again, I wish he'd gotten a thousand yards, but it was close. But to have two receivers, right, in the top 50, at any team, there was no other team that had two receivers in the top 50. Really? We went over That's, that interesting. That That's interesting. That's interesting. 
that's huge, right? When you look at receptions per game, 6.1 and 5.4, no other team had two. So that's groovy. Um, That's awesome. Right. I'm looking forward to see Gene and Mizell on the field. Now, is Graham going to work with them a little bit more this offseason and connect with them more? No pun intended. Um, Let's see if that that does work. And then I'm sure Lagway is going to come in. Lagway throws a pretty ball, right? Nice tight spiral. Let's see if he gets some snaps. Those guys can build some synergy moving forward. Hawkins? Dude is quick. Will he outrun the ball? I don't know. I don't know. That's going to be tough. And then we'll see what happens with Khalil Jackson, right? Overall, a lot of people are – and I've I've heard this from a couple sources like, well, you know, wide receivers are going to be questionable, this, that, and the other. Listen, with Trey coming back to anchor that wide receiver core, I really think we're going to be just fine. I, I, I see no shortage of weapons. I see no, see no shortage of speed, and I see no, see no shortage of talent. On that basis, uh, in this past year, I would, I, would, I, would, I would say right there, besides not being able to get the ball to them even more, I still say it ended up being more of a strength than a neutral or a weakness. So 100% agree. Agreed. All right, moving on. Defensive side of the ball. Let's talk first D-line. Um, we called this a strength preseason. We were both on that train. I would say it was for the most part. I mean, I know it may not have appeared that way because of the stats, and it didn't always deliver the consistent pressure, but we definitely had wins at times, and Princely, you know, made all SEC team, right, despite the fact that he maybe didn't have those eye-popping stats. It clearly showed up to the the guys who evaluate that, the writers and everything else, that he was a consistently very, very strong presence there, Right. Losing Boone, you mentioned it earlier, it was just devastating. We didn't know that at the time, right? But it was huge because you just didn't have that other end to come around and provide that other pressure. So you had guys scheming against Princely, being able to, you know, run away from him, if you will, when he broke through. And there was just never anybody on the other side, you know, to 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 kind of come around that because they weren't winning the same way that he was consistently. And it was just killer. I have high hope for this unit next year. When you look at McRae coming in, and then, of course, having Cersei and Collins, right, those guys looked really good in their freshman season with the limited playing time they got. I think we have high hopes here. What are you looking at with D-line? Extremely high hopes. Double A, back at it again, year number two, running it back with his scheme, with his enthusiasm, with his philosophies. I'm looking to see what we saw in the spring game earlier this year with some of those blitzing packages, with some of that pressures, now that he's got year number two working on and one year under his belt, and he's more familiar with these guys, and these guys see his energy and passion, Boone back, Shamar back, I think it's going to be phenomenal in many, many ways. Yeah, we're, we're losing Princely, no doubt. Well, right? I mean, that hasn't happened yet, but I think it definitely will. And that's the thing, right? I know it hasn't happened yet. I don't want to speak it in being, but when you look at everything else and draft shock and and everything, all yeah. the other things considered, um, be shocked I'll, if it didn't. I'll just put it this way: I'll be shocked. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. For sure. And 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 then really glad to see you know Boone making great progress in the off season. He comes back healthy. I again, SEC football. You win in the trenches. Fall of 2024 gauntlet absolute gauntlet of a schedule so we're going to need to be more aggressive and, and and deeper in the trenches to win there and we'll we'll see if if, if big des tones down to 430 425 
to do some more damage in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> For sure. All right. Time to say the bad word. Talk to me about linebacker. Oh, yeah. I, 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 this one's tough for me because we had such high hopes and, 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 and here's the thing. I can't call it a strength. I'd say it's almost neutral, but I'd say not for me neutral to the backside because of what was given up. I know, I know. And, and that's why I struggle with it. That's why I struggle with it so much. Um, Outside of that, I'll give you I'll give you that in the first half of the year. I'll give you neutral in the first half of the year. But here's the thing: things a lot of things change after that Georgia game, mm-hmm. and that's where For a lot sure. was exposed, right? And so again, if he uh, he he is in, Shamar James comes back healthy. I'm really looking forward to see what this linebacker core can do in a more healthy position next year. And this with season? more and with more talent because this linebacking class coming in is phenomenal. Now I Correct. won't have expectations that they'll play a lot as freshmen, but man, do we have some talent coming in? We got great talent. And then here's the other thing too: the T word. Are we going to be able to tackle, tackle efficiently? Yeah. To, to and that's where it all starts is with the linebackers for sure. Right. So yep. and, and that and, and that's the biggest question mark I think we're gonna have going into 2024. Because if at double A did those tackling drills like he said he was doing in the start of camp, um you might need to spend some more time on it. That's all I'm gonna say. Agreed, agreed. So I called this a coin flip, kind of like what you're saying. I called for it to be kind of neutral, right? To start the year. Uh I missed here, in my opinion, by far. I think this was, without a question, our weakest unit on defense, um, especially once Shamar got banged up. And remember, he got banged up before he went out. And I don't mean in the Georgia game. I mean before that. He kind of caught a a glimpse of that knee injury in Kentucky. Um, And then ultimately it got worse. And then, of course, resulted in the dislocated kneecap. And then that was it. Once that happened, woof, it was just terrible. It wasn't great before that. It was it was okay. It was pretty good to start actually. First couple games were were fair to decent. Then again, he gets banged up. It gets worse. He goes out. It gets bad. Again, I said it. We have a terrific class coming in, but this is not a position you can usually play super well as a freshman, right? It's just too much, too much going on, too much to learn. You saw Shamar as a freshman, right? He was out there. He was trying. He showed some stuff, but ultimately, it, it didn't happen. Neither did Scooby. Clearly, we need to either exceed that expectation freshman with one of these guys or have Shamar come back better than ever and get help from at least one other player with experience. And frankly, I don't think it's Scooby. My money is potentially on Wingo. I just question him so much in pass coverage. So I loved what he put on film at the end of the year and run defense. He was phenomenal. He he looked the part of, of everything I wanted him to be in the run game. I just God, he's such a liability in the past coverage, and I don't know why or how to make that better or why it can't get better. But anyway, it is what it is. This unit has got to be the most improved unit next year if we want to be a, a, that that unit that I talked about on defense. I think it can be, but it has to be. It's, it's the crux. It's the core. It's by far, again, in my opinion, our weakest unit, and it's got to get way better. So that's that. Moving on. Corner. Um, we called for this to be a strength. 
I can't say that it was. I would end up calling it neutral, kind of like what you called the linebackers, because it was way too hit or miss. When it was yeah. good, it was really good. When it was bad, ooh, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, I love some of the younger talent we have here. I absolutely love it. So the potential for good things in the future is still absolutely there, but we need to win on the hire of a new coach for this group. Rumors are circulating around um, the assistant cornerbacks coach for San Diego. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll see. Time will tell. That's going to obviously have to wait until the NFL season's over if that's the case. Uh, I don't mind that hire if that's the case. I think there's some other names that would be good too. We'll see what happens. Got to be a good coaching hire here. Um, needs to be recruiting too, obviously. But I think at this point in the story, the coaching might matter a little more than recruiting. I'm not saying they can't, you know, they got to be able to recruit, of course. But the coaching is going to matter here because the development of these guys obviously is key. Um, that's what we look to have been missing with Corey uh, from all indications that we saw on the field, right? From the film we saw, that seemed to be the missing element. And that can't continue to miss. We have talented guys here. We need to develop them. And then obviously we need to get more talented guys in, but the development is key at this point. So that's where I'm at on corner. What you got? Yeah, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, if uh, Will Harris, if, if that is true, right? Because based off when we look at Will Harris, don't know that much about him, but, you know, being back in California, USC, you know, back in the quote unquote glory days, right? Um, hopefully some of that translates and, and, uh, and does some good things. Corner was tough, man. Real, real tough when you look at what we saw. And 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 truth be told, Jason Marshall, I know we probably harped on him a lot during the season, but Jason, tough, tough start to the season, got beat a lot. And and, and for the record, playing a lot of man, and, and 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 that's fine. We need to. We need to play more man. But at the end of the day, when you look at what Jason Marshall started the season versus ending the season, at least he ended on a semi-high note. And hopefully Agreed. He has some words for this squad moving forward to be able to create some of that continuity, especially if AA wants to be as aggressive as I think he wants to be in more man coverage, in more press man coverage, because if we are going to be beat, guess what? That's how we get beat. What do you think chances are Marshall comes back because of his potential fall in draft stock with what he put on film this year? See, and, and, and that's the thing. I think he might have realized midway through the year, holy crap, I better get back together, right? If, especially if I want to do something special or, or make it or go to the draft or maybe qualify, whatever the case might be. And so I think the chances are high. Maybe he comes back. Maybe Billy sits and talks with him and says, hey, listen, you you really turn it up this the, the second half of the year. We really need you to anchor in the cornerback position. We really need you. Hopefully he takes that to heart. We'll see. But I think it's high. I think for him, it should be high. I don't think he needs to follow the advice of all these other guys and the agents and the flash and the money that could be presented. I think he needs to stay, refine the craft, and he's going to do much, much better if he stays another year, especially with all the other pieces being added on defense and everything else as a whole going into year number two for AA, like we've said again. I think it, it in other words, nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go yeah. back for him. And I, I think we're obviously better if he stays. I don't think there's any question there, especially if he plays like he does, to your point, second half of the especially season. He was, exactly. he was quite good. Yeah, I, if I, he agree. Starts off I agree. Yeah, if he starts yeah. off the season like he ended it, oh, it, 
it, it's it's that's what you want in a lockdown corner. That that's exactly what it's going to be, and that's Agreed. exactly what he's going to depict. Right. Agreed. So, anyways, yeah, corner really tough this year. Wishy washy, back and forth, bipolar, like the rest of this team. It seems like at, at times. <laughs> at uh, times, for sure. Exactly. So All right. Last, on. last but not least, on defense, safety. Go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. It is. You know what? Moten had some 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 good opportunities. Uh, what was tough for me was to see. Uh, uh, Miguel Mitchell get trucked so much. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. I talked about that during the season. I yep. hate seeing our players get trucked, especially in that position there. I really hate seeing it get trucked or hurdled or leaked. So here's the thing about safety this year. Um, the weakness, overall weakness. Agreed. And, and here's the thing. I was so excited to see some of these pieces come together. And, and, and truth be told for RJ, I thought, for whatever reason, unless he was not completely healthy this season, I thought there was a little bit more to be desired there, right? Oh, a little more than a little more. He was a disappointment for me, for sure. Yeah. And so having that been said and everything else that, that we expected to see out of that position, I believe they underperformed. And, and that's the other thing, too. With a lot of those games where we, where we end up missing 11, 12, 13, 17 tackles in a game. Yep that safety position didn't aid in that stat. Yep. Agreed. Um, I'm right with you. I called for it to be a weakness. It was a weakness. Um, I don't think there's any question in that. I think Castell still does have upside. Again, he gets better at tackling and run fit, and he's terrific because in pass coverage, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Um, But we need another guy to play with him, right? The problem was is Castell was, you know, serviceable, again, some things needed to improve, but overall he was okay. Yeah. Plus in some areas, minus in others, but okay. Thornton showed flashes, but he just, he was just too young. Didn't understand all the concepts, took some bad angles. Sometimes when he got it right, he was great. But when he got it wrong again, the yikes, right? Long way to go there. Still ultimately, this is why I keep harping on Phil Simi being so important. This is, this is, the big deal in this class to me and why he is such a linchpin. Now I know we just got word that we potentially have a four star on the hook. That's coming, whether Phil Simi does or not looking really good that we're going to get him. He's announcing on the 13th. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, four star, four star out of Florida at safety, which is great. We also have Josiah Davis. These are good additions, but Phil Simi is a different cat, man. That that's, that's another level, right? That's potential sure. NFL top round talent that you're, theoretically getting in here right and he's taken another visit to texas not good news not good news i'm not happy about that at all <laughs> uh, two and a half maybe weeks. he just likes the brisket just i i like the brisket too i hope that's all it is just hold on <laughs> just hold on please 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 okay that's all i got let's talk special teams real quick here kick us off no pun intended. Talk kicking. <laughs> Let's go. Holy smokes! Did, did you really do that? Yeah, yeah, folks. We got we had dad jokes for days. That that is dad well. jokes, baby. <laughs> Never fails. Hey, you know what? There was there's a little switch in kicking, a little switch up in in in, in kickers, and one of them entered the transfer portal. So be it. No problem. Trey, seven, finished seventeen for twenty one for eighty one percent. That actually tied for top forty four. 
in the nation, despite two crucial misses at FSU and one crucial miss at the end of regulation at Arkansas. So that was the thing that was tough there regarding the field goal kicking unit. Because I remember years back, people might remember the swamp chanting, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Uh, is, is a field goal kicker that hard to come by? I should tell my son he should just start doing field goal kicking. Maybe, maybe that'll work. But anyways, Trey Smack finished the season 17-21, top 44 in the nation. Much to be desired. B, what do you want to do? So we called it a weakness preseason because it was last year and, you know, it we was. needed to see it improve to be proved wrong. It was still a weakness, obviously, a terrible weakness until we switched to Trey. Uh, then I think it became a strength. I know little little wobble there to finish the year. <laughs> Again, yeah. no pun intended. Dad jokes. Um, but uh, but but uh, he. Uh, I think overall he's a very strong kicker. I'm really very happy that he got some quality experience this year. I think he'll be super solid and only get better as we go forward. Frankly, I'm not worried about it going into next year, which is nice, right? It's nice to have that, and I. Uh, I believe we probably won't have to worry about it the year after that either because I think he'll stay. So I, I think yeah. we've got two more years of a really solid kicker that I'm not worried about, which is great. Uh, so with that, move on. Punting, we called it a strength. It ended up being a strength. We were a little worried to start the year because we had a few yeah. things going on, a couple shanks, a couple what's going on, Jeremy. We didn't know. He ended up the second-ranked punter in the country for the second year in a row, by the way. So uh, phenomenal stuff there. Uh, kid's great. Um, and I think we have at least one more year with him, correct? Yes. So good good Thank stuff you. there. Be glad to have him back again. Another strong punter. He's still no Tommy Townsend. Man, that guy. I watch him on Sundays with the Chiefs, man. I, I'll I'll tune in for the punts with the Chiefs, which granted there aren't that many, but good grief. He is still a master at dropping that ball inside the 10 and just having it stop on a dime. He's he's phenomenal. I loved him. I miss him. But still, I like Jeremy. He does good things. He's still got a monster leg. Just needs to work on his control a little more sometimes. But hey, overall, no complaints. Uh what do you got? What do you got for punting? Talk to me about solid. The yeah, definitely. Not a problem there at all with anything you said. He had a bomb, his his career long on the season, 67 yards. Yes, it was left-hand English. He got the roll. But overall, B, you said it, overall number two, I would say total net punting, number four in the nation. So net yep. punting, 2,052 punt yards, 92 return yards, right, on 43 punts, five touchbacks, and a roughly 43.8 six yards a punt good for number four in the nation it's really Decent good on the return and overall it turned out to be a strength in a lot of situations for sure no question when you're top five in both of those metrics in total yards and in net yards that's phenomenal i mean that's really good all right so returners what returners? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we didn't return, have a lot of returning. <laughs> no, returns were tough. Returns were tough. A lot of touchbacks this year. A lot of touchbacks and the returns that were a lot of fair catches. Ricky had majority of his were fair catches, um, except for a lovely return that he had. Yep. To set up great field position last game. Outside of that, I feel like Ricky had the most fair catches out of all of them. Trevor, a fair catch or two in between. Jason Marshall. Jason Marshall got two returns, not a lot of yards, but it was neat to see him returning the football. Outside of that, it's not like we had Brandon Powell back there returning the football. 
No, yeah. but you called you called out ETN on the few returns he got to have 200 plus return yardage on kickoffs. It's actually pretty impressive because he didn't return that many kicks. So he didn't. You know, he continues to be a force back there when he does get the ball. You are correct, and and that's what went to his all-purpose yards, right? As far as the returns go, great, great, great call there. But yeah, overall. I know we need to see more punts with with some opportunities, some more downfield kick coverage. It would help if we had a special teams coordinator. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, any, yes, anyways, yes, like, having that yes, been said, yeah, having that been said for for what it was Again. for the opportunities that there were, good field position. We'll say positive side of neutral, but not a full strength. No, definitely not a strength. I can call it, especially because of some of the special teams debacles, as you already kind of mentioned. Um, I, one thing I'll call for. I know he botched one in the first game and did something silly, but I want to yeah. see Trey involved Trey. in this return game next year on the punts. Maybe not the kickoffs, but on the punts. Um, he's so dynamic, so elusive. Uh, get him the ball in those situations. Get him a coach to tell him what to do. But <laughs> but um, and, and in fairness, we'll talk about that. I, I'm actually not sure how critical that really is, depending on what the circumstances are. But but at the end of the day, I want to see Trey more involved on in punts because it, he, it makes sense to have him there. So anyway, moving on, let's talk a little record and strength of schedule. This is something we wanted to put in here because we wanted to call this out because, of course, we yeah. were five and seven. And a lot of people are, you know, obviously down on that. I'm not going to call five and seven a successful season, but I think it's important to note. And we talked about this a little when we discussed it with keep it or pitch it, but depending on where you looked, this was either the fourth to the eighth as different rating services evaluate schedules differently. Right. But no matter what, it was a top 10, right. Maybe even top five most difficult schedule in the country, depending on where you looked. I'll put this out there. Would last year's team have fared better? I doubt it, and it probably would have been worse. When you look at the, what the defense was last year and the inconsistencies on offense, I think last year's team is easily 4-8 versus this schedule. Easily. So before we go getting into a whole thing of, oh, Billy got worse and the team got worse and this, you know, the record got worse and yada, 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 I'm not sure that it really did. Because the schedule got way, way harder. And that's something that I feel like just gets thrown out the window. And it's the same thing that we're going to keep talking about for next year, right? What's an improvement next year, right? What does improvement look like next year when you evaluate it just on record? We'll get into that conversation. I'm not going to have it now. But I think it's really important to consider strength of schedule next year. If we're not number one, then I don't trust whatever evaluating system is involved. <laughs> Because that's the hardest schedule in the country, period. There's no question about it. So at the end of the day, I'm inclined to evaluate that as part of what's going on this year. Am I trying to excuse five and seven and say it's okay? No, I'm not. But my point that I'm trying to make is it doesn't mean that there weren't some things that got better. It doesn't mean there weren't some things that improved. Is it all the improvement and all the things we wanted to get better and everything we wanted to see? Absolutely not. There were definitely some things this year that should have been better that weren't, without question. And, and there's some question marks going into this offseason that absolutely have to be addressed and improved. And that's you know something we'll get into here shortly. But at the end of the day, that strength of schedule was legit and seriously contributed to the record being what it was. And for the record, <laughs> again, dad joke, hey. we, were, we were a field goal and a fourth and 17 away 
from seven and five. What you got? Uh, wow, I'm 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 not I'm not going to disagree with any of that. Um, I'm going to go back to the mission and the vision. Okay. Unfiltered yep. conversation. Check. Overall coaching decision, recruiting and coaching decisions. Sure. We'll review our analysis based on review film, evaluation of strategy, evaluation of the tactics, observation, player personnel, decisions on field execution. And dad jokes. And, and dad jokes, clearly. For those of you who think that we are giving a pass, this is no pass. No, it is not. We are, we are not happy about five and seven. So therefore, being analytical people, you go back and wonder, what is the reason behind five and seven? The personnel, the staffing, the scheme, the injuries. Oh, yeah. Should strength of schedule be calculated in that equation? Yes. It's brought up Absolutely. every time, every year, especially when you look at the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Oh, there it not is. That, not, there that it is. Any, not that there's any controversy there, folks. Just saying. Just saying. Fourth hardest, some people say number five. It doesn't matter. It's top ten hardest schedule in FBS. Went five and seven. B, I don't disagree. Yes, I'm a potent. I didn't know it. You're a field goal, a flag. Uh, a, a fourth down conversion and whatever from five and seven, granted, maybe eight and four. Who the hell knows? Yeah. No, I'll leave it. Sure. I'm, I'm leaving it at that. I'm leaving it at that. Now, in fairness, you're also potentially a tip drill pass from Ricky to Trey from four and eight. So I will, I will con concede that. But <laughs> nonetheless. Hey, man. Hey, no <laughs> ball coach said even the good Lord shined down on the Gators today. And, and, yeah, and it just happened to be go. that day. And it was that day and pretty much none other. But there you go. So, <laughs> all right, let's move to some superlatives for the season. Get us started. Who you got for offense? Who gets your uh, who gets your your trophy for uh, for the full year offensive award? I know what you're thinking. And I know that you think that I'm thinking what you're thinking. <laughs> but I might pull, pull a fast one on you. Uh-oh. Uh, for, for me, it's actually going to be Slick Rick. No way. Wow, you did pull a fast one on me. And and, and here's why. This guy, 35 short of a 1,000-yard season, and when you look at all of his interviews, you look at everything else, I, I, people might not know this, but when Graham Mertz came down to scout for his visit, Ricky said, hey, you think about coming here? He's like, yeah, I'm not sure. I And Ricky, do me a favor. Just watch me. I'm going to change your mind at the end of this thing. And he did. Nice. We probably got great. Yeah, Billy and the coaching staff and, and, and you know, sunny weather. Let's face it, in Wisconsin, for my company, my home office is in Wisconsin, you never have to shovel sunshine. Okay? That's a factor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. I like what Ricky meant. Leadership perspective, we talk about Graham Cracker all day long and, and, and bar none, but Ricky, for what he meant, for the different things that he said, the, for the player meeting that he held, yeah. the, player, the independent player meeting that he held before M Missouri, 
before Florida State, the different things that he did, what he's meant to this program, how he sounds on the podium, his professionalism, although he probably should have gotten the ball way more, it's Ricky Pearsall. I love it. It's a great call out. Way to pay homage to a guy that that has come in here and, and been a, a, a great contributor, um, you know, as a as a transfer guy and 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 really yes. shown what it is to adopt the culture, right? And the the this system under Billy. I think he's a, a shining example of what that is. You definitely pulled a curveball on me because I thought you were going to be in the same boat as me and 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 pick Graham Cracker because that is who I have. Um, yeah. But uh, but I love it. I love it. Great, great pick. Um, I, I think it's absolutely deserving. Um, and yeah, for sure, it's a it's a it's an excellent call out. Um, I do have Graham as mentioned. Um, it's short and sweet. Obviously, we already talked about the stats. They were, you know, better than we thought they even could be. And I think, moreover, for me, he held the team and the unit together through a lot of ups and downs and showed how to be a real leader to the entire team. That, to me, is why I'm giving it to him, is really more about the leadership than even the performance on the field. Um, that's that's why he gets the that's why he gets the trophy for me on offense. So um, mm-hmm. with that, we'll 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 put that one aside for the season and 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 give it to the to the combo there of of Graham and Ricky, which I love actually. I love that that they both get a call out there. Um, and we'll move over to defense. So I gave this one at the midseason to Hill, but I'm switching it up. He had a great mm-hmm. year, but I got to go Princely. Um, he finished the season as strong as he started the season. His stats may not have shown it. We already talked about it, but he consistently won game in, game out, despite getting double teamed, despite teams having game plans against him, despite teams rolling out the opposite direction of him and not having any help on the other side. And there's one guy on Florida's team on either side of the ball on the all SEC team, and it's Princely. So I got to give it to him. He's he's my he's my he's my award winner for uh, for full season. Heck of a season. Really, really played his butt off. And again, like you said, I'd be shocked if he doesn't go pro. If he doesn't, man, can't wait to get him back. But um, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't. So that's that's who I got for uh, defense. Who you got? Um, I'm I'm going to echo. I'm going to echo. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. It is Princeton. Besides the fact of what he did, besides his scores on pro football focus, besides his yeah. win rate percentage that we talked about a couple yeah. different times this season, the tackles for loss, the sacks, yeah. which he led the team, his health. He stayed yeah. incredibly healthy. I was worried about him being hurt. Yeah. Some of the, some of the double teams, some of the roll-ups, which, as you know, it takes one move to just get rolled up on, on a knee, an ankle, whatever the case might be. What about when he? Maybe. What about when he dropped back in coverage and he's trying to play receivers and running backs and stuff? You could get hurt doing that just as easily. Bingo. He dropped back more in coverage. Whatever they were thinking, he dropped back more in coverage than I would have liked to have seen. But he did it. He did it wisely. He had some track speed on him. And so yes, I'll I'll give it to Princely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I agree with that. Love it. All right, this one I I'd be shocked if we were different on who you got for freshman. I'm gonna throw you a curveball. What? I'll throw you a curveball. I'm kidding. Tricky Trey, Trey Wilson, <laughs> Eugene Wilson, top freshman in the nation. Yeah, buddy. I, I, you know what? People made a big fuss about the FSU game on that tackle when he got pile drove into the ground 
and he was again taunted, whatever you want to call it. He got up. I tell you what, people no, said, he's oh, absolutely taunted, and it should have been a flag, but moving right? on. Right? People said, oh, he's undisciplined. Look, he's waving his hand at a coach. And first of all, it was a graduate assistant. Secondly, that to me shows a competitor because he just got dogged. And guess what? He's ready to go right back in and fight. Right. That's right. Right back in and fight. I so, agree. Tricky Trey, all the way, freshman superlative, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Looking forward to see more he can do in 24 as a featured wideout. Yep, 100%. Really excited about the future with him. Love to see him put on a little more weight, maybe even catch a little more speed in the offseason with some of the conditioning. Uh, you called it out earlier, 28th in receptions per game. Here's a comparison stat for you. Guess where Marvin Harrison Jr. ranked in receptions per game? Uh-oh, please tell me, B. 38th. Wow. How about that? So just just, just throwing that out there. He was better than debatably the best receiver going into the draft this year in receptions per game. Now, I know that's not like the all-defining stat, but nonetheless, pretty cool. So just wanted to throw that out. All right, let's move it along. Final section here to look at some things. We want to have a really detailed discussion around the changes we want to see in the off season here. Um, it's kind of going to revolve around coaching structure, coaching personnel and player personnel. So we'll start with coaching structure, right? So this is kind of how the coaching setup on both sides of the ball is laid out or potentially both sides of the ball and special teams, right? So biggest thing for me here to call out is just the two O-line coaches, Right. This is something that Billy brought in, brought in so that, you know, because he's the OC. Right. So we can have two O-line coaches and the structure just isn't working. Right. It's clearly not working. The O-line, despite I understand there were some talent deficiencies this year. But at the end of the day, this unit did not overperform its talent in any shape, manner or form. In fact, if anything, it might have even underperformed slightly on its talent. Right. It, it was not good. So we are not getting results from having two O-line coaches. It needs to change. We need an OC. Two O-line coaches does not make sense and is not working. And I could also, of course, make the argument for a special teams coach, but I'm actually less concerned about that than the other piece. If we end up with an OC and lose an O-line coach and don't get a special teams coordinator, I'll live with it, right? The, the special teams things, there were gaffes, no question. But can I stand here and say that I think it actually cost us a game? I know you can make the Arkansas argument, yeah, okay, maybe. Does that kick go in if he's five yards closer? Perhaps, but does he kick the exact same ball from five yards closer? You don't know, right? So that's that's a very subjective thing to say that. Was it a good penalty to have? Of course not. It was silly. Were a lot of the penalties we had silly on special teams? Yes, but did any of them truly cost us the game? I don't know that I can go there. I'm not sure I can really say that. Should we even been in that situation with Arkansas? Absolutely not. Right. We should have dominated that team. So that's a whole nother conversation. At the end of the day, I'm not sure the special teams coach is really the the absolute must have. What the absolute must have is, is an offensive coordinator. And in my opinion, the way you get that most easily is by eliminating one of the offensive line coaches, which will probably be Darnell Stapleton for the record, because Rob Sale is Napier's boy and I don't think he's leaving. So that's my two cents on that. We'll see what happens. Be interesting to see how it all Fishes out. Again, we're starting to hear some rumors about the OC. Very happy to hear that. 
Um, and it is looking like potentially anyway, it could come from the outside and not be an internal promotion, which is absolutely the preference that I would like to see. We'll get into that a little more when we talk coaching personnel. What you got for structure? What do you want to see there, Randy? You know what? It is the holiday season. We'll <laughs> Nick doing his thing, right? What do we want more for Christmas, right? OC, O-line, special teams. I just in, in, in secret, secret Santa, baby, pick your pick your gift. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I can't disagree with what you said because at the end of the day, what is the position that creates the most amount of impact? As we've seen this past year, O-line struggles. Period. I get it. There was some sabacery in the special teams, but especially with that system, I cannot say that Sale and Stapleton, sounds like a law firm, uh, can coexist. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not necessary. If we can take some of that budget and redirect it towards an OC, uh, Will Corn, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, whatever people are hearing, um, I think that, that that's more than warranted. So I actually cannot disagree with anything that you just said. Now, as far as special teams, to have the impact, I would like to see special teams graded a little bit higher, a little bit more priority. Oh, Although course. going back, right, going back to your scenario, choosing between the two, OC all the way. So at least at this point in time, when you bring in the talent, when you bring in a top five recruiting class and you bring in an OC, Billy technically has, I would say silenced some of the critics out there, but the needs have been met. So let's see what happens moving forward with that. But but even and, and just going back to it, one more brief point, if he has an OC, now he can fo focus his attention on more pieces of the organization, including special teams. And maybe you have less issues there, even if you don't have a dedicated coach. I could make that argument very easily. Right. He doesn't have to spend as much of the week game planning, play calling design figuring out what he wants to do there from a strategic standpoint, he can leave that to the OC and he can go address the special teams issues that he has with his assistant or his whatever it is. It's not an assistant. What's the analyst? Analyst. Thank you. That was the term. Yeah. He can go talk to his analyst and say, hey, clean this up, clean this up, clean this up, do this, do this, do this. He can pay more attention, work with that person more in depth because he's not spending so much time doing other things. This is as much the point about the OC as anything else. We talked earlier about his play calling and some of the deficiencies there, but overall yep. it not being like horrifically bad, right? The biggest thing, the biggest thing, again, in my perspective is the reason you don't want your head coach being an OC is because he has so many other responsibilities that require his time. You don't want his time taken from game planning, reviewing film, designing a game plan, right? Getting getting all these things put together on a week in and week out basis and that taking time away from his other duties as CEO of the team. That is more than anything the biggest reason why an OC is so important. So that that to me is without question paramount number one. I so hope we get it. I'm I'm starting to get a little excited and I gotta pull the reins because that that all I want for Christmas right there, buddy. So <laughs> and, and, and guess what? You're warranted and it makes sense because as we've talked about before with other coaches, some make great offensive coaches, some make great defensive coaches. They can't be a head coach. And that's why if you look at good CEOs, just like in a business structure, they surround themselves with the best department managers right. because that's how they right. build the organization. Right. Well said. Period. Well said. That's, that's exactly it. right. 
That's exactly right. And, and you know, again, we, we think we got this equation potentially half right with Austin Armstrong. We make a strong hire at OC and boom goes the dynamite. Let's see it. So speaking of hires at coaching, we've already seen some coaching personnel changes, right? But we need more. Um, a lot of this is relating back to what we just talked about with this structure. But the short version is the offense needs to change like the defense has already seen, right? Who do we want for an OC? Who would we prefer to come in? I don't know that I have like a set person. I think the biggest thing is I would rather have it come from the outside, right? I kind of already mentioned this. I don't really want to see Rob Sale get, or excuse me, Rob Sale, Russ Calloway get promoted, right? That's potentially an option, but I don't want to see it in my desired world because I'd be worried that he ends up just being Napier's, you know, do boy, right? That that basically Billy says, okay, you're the guy. However, do this, 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 and this, right? And he's not actually designing his own game plan. He's just doing whatever Billy tells him. And he's kind of a de facto OC that really is just taking all his direction right from Billy. And it's kind of the same thing, except maybe in game play calling belongs to him and that's it. Right. I, I, that's still maybe better than where we are right now, but it's still not the, the desired outcome that we want from what we were just talking about. Right. So that's what I don't want to see. Now, do I know that happens if Callaway does get promoted? No, I don't. But do I have suspicion that it might? Yeah, I kind of do. So that's my concern if we see it from within. My hope is it is an outside hire, somebody who certainly would have connection, probably some kind of relationship. You don't normally see that happen when it doesn't have those ties, right? But at the end of the day, I'd like to see it come from outside the organization, somebody who wants to get you know their rep as a play caller at a big name school, right? That potential exists, and I think we're maybe starting to see some signs that that might happen, and that's just huge. So your thoughts on the on the personnel side of things for coaching? Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you say that because that's a lot of my philosophy. When you look at it from a business organization, you take it in the context of a football team, what helps to spur motivation? What helps to spur ingenuity? Things like that, right? Outside voices do a lot for organizations. Now, that's great to hire from within, don't get me wrong, if, if they're deserving, if they're warranted, but at the end of the day, fresh perspective makes a, a big difference. So when you look at the OC, the word that comes to mind is connection, right? What is the connection? What's the lineage going back? Two big schools come to mind, Bama and Clemson. So having that been said, uh, we, we, we saw a release earlier today from inside the swamp, you know, Willie Korn, former quarterback, co-offensive yep. coordinator. Who knows? Would that be a good hire? Again, he's young. Double A's young. Yeah, I don't uh, mind young. I'm okay with young. Um, really, I don't necessarily want some established guy who's been around a long time and has more of a an older school mentality. I'm okay with young. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. And that's the thing, right? Billy's young. Double A's younger. And so, do we bring in somebody else that where we can build a unit? that has some longevity over time yep, and really exactly. turn this into an empire Love as it. it once was in certain yep. facets in certain years, right? Exactly, exactly. Because if you hire somebody like, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but I heard some talk about it earlier today, the guy out of Oregon, right? Who's the OC out there. If you get him, what do you get him for? A year, maybe two? And then he's right. gone. He's going to go be a head coach somewhere or an OC of the pros because his his offense looks great out in Oregon this year, right? Obviously, Bo Nix, top three completion percentage, like phenomenal off the charts numbers. 
that guy's not staying at an OC level at any college, right? At any college for very long. So best case scenario, two years tops, you know, you don't get consistency that way. And then you're right back in the same position, right? So to me, I'm right with you. Get a younger guy, get a guy who's got upside, right? Shows potential, makes sense as a hire. That um, that to me is exactly the wheelhouse we want to be in. I I love this, you know, guy from Liberty as a as a potential candidate, you know, and anybody else like him, right? Anybody in that vein, let's let's see it, let's do it. I'm all for it. All right. Um, with that, let's move on. Last section here, player personnel. What do you want to see from, obviously, the uh, portal here um, as far as gains, losses? Where you at? I don't know what we're going to get from the portal. Obviously, Graham was probably the biggest snag last year. So that was great. Are we going to get that lucky again? I don't know. I don't think so. But when you look at what we are have lost – in commits, the difference of what needs to be beefed up, especially when you look at an O-line, that O-line, we need to go in there and snag some good talent. And again, I'm not just talking about what I talked about earlier this season as far as size, overall size and depth, but as far as when we look at dynamic ability to move on the offensive line, and not to mention, we need a little bit more depth because clearly our depth at offensive line this year was just absolutely torrid. That's why we had guys from right guard to left guard to left tackle moving around and everything else. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And then also the other thing that I want to call out there in the, in the portal is going to be, sorry, I keep thinking about the Dr. Pepper commercial, which is hilarious. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but uh Let's see what we can do in the linebacker position. Let's see what we can do in the safety position to maybe pad those a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, and 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 you know maybe maybe it's one of those things where you you pick up another tight end because uh, you know we we lost one tight end to the portal. We have another one. We lost Odom. That's okay. He was a little bit slow. You know, kind of kind of slow like molasses. But yep. you know Hayden. We'll see what Hayden does to back him up to get him another big body and a wide body tight end, you know, six foot five, six foot six, long reach. That'd be great. So I think some of those other pieces to add some depth and add some layers, I think is going to be really crucial because, again, great talent coming in, great stars coming in. But the other thing is there's no scar tissue there. Right. A lot of talent. Are they going to be set free to do what they need to do? Probably not. It's going to take them all to learn the scheme. Hopefully they've got some good mentors that have scar tissue that can direct more effectively. But outside of that, uh, for, for me, the portal, I'm not I'm not expecting big things out of the portal, to be honest. Yeah, unfortunately, the track record would not suggest that. And unfortunately, I think we're going to need a couple big things out of the portal. We already addressed the line. I won't belabor that. Got to have one at least good get really need at least two guys. I think they're, um, you know, I'll leave that as it is. I think we're also going to need a couple of D line guys because we've already lost two, um, could lose more. The Spencer departure is clearly impacting, especially the interior line, right? Both guys we've lost were interior linemen. Um, while I like the class, I like that we got Mackay back. We didn't talk about it, but we did get Mackay back, but then we lost Kendall Jackson. So it was kind of a give take, right? So, um, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, so I'd like to see, um, a pickup on D line, especially potentially interior D line, like we had last year. Um, you know, like to see that get picked up to replace some of the departures we've had there. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing, like you said, a linebacker, um, uh, safety be fine again, but you know, 
really missed on Moten. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see about that one. But I, definitely linebacker. I, I think having another guy there, just another guy with experience, right, with all the youth we have coming in and with, yeah. you know, Mitchell leaving, obviously, just having another body there, if nothing else, would be something, right? Um, yeah. The problem is, at the end of the day, the guys with with great talent here are hard to come by, right? The the yeah. the hits in the portal typically are at wide receiver, right, running back. It's the skill position guys that you typically see come through here. The really strong guys at defensive positions and and especially D line or O line, they don't typically go in the portal. At the end of the day, it, it's unusual, right? What we had leave last year was weird, right? When you see guys like, you know, Braun and White and you know, um, uh, oh God, our other O lineman that went to uh, USC, his name is escaping me at the moment but uh, when you wow. see we have you know three solid offensive linemen leave a program like you don't see that that was because of a culture thing i think much more than anything else and that's unusual you don't you don't see that happen very often right um it, it it's just it's it's very unusual right to see stuff like that happen from major programs you know you see the kind of o line transfers we got in right Mascool was good he was solid but then you got George, right? You see why Alabama didn't play him, right? Oh, yeah. No offense, sorry, but you see, right? It's evident. So that's the kind of thing I think you're running into. So at the end of the day, uh, we've got to get some gains there. I don't expect big things. I'm with you. We're not going to have some all-star transfer portal class. For the record, I don't think we need an all-star transfer portal class. We just need to address certain needs, and we need to address them you know, solidly. If we can do that, if we can just be solid, I think we'll be good here. And I think we have a really good opportunity going in next year to really build on some things and potentially make possibly some bigger steps than I think people think we're going to make. Um, I'm not saying I know that's going to happen, but I think the potential at least exists there if we get some of the changes that we're talking about here. Um it really does exist for this team to actually make a significant stride in year three. And for the record, I think that's absolutely needed because if we don't see one, I think Billy's gone. And then I don't know kind of where you go from there. So presents, <laughs> presents a true. difficult, presents difficult prop proposition. I'd rather see him make the improvements stay yeah. and continue to develop the program. Cause I think that's better for Florida football in the long run. I really do. Yes. Uh, so that's what I'm rooting for, but Will it happen? I don't know. We'll see. So any other thoughts before we close this sucker up? No, nah, but um, my only other thoughts are, let's see if we get some of those Christmas witches this year. Obviously, yeah, building the staff are hard at work. We'll see what happens. But either way, some unique things happening. And I'm all for the youth. I'm all for the excitement. Can we be patient? Can we have a improved squad for fall of 24 and we can we come out can we be competitive can we maintain hold our own and unlike this year win some really close one score games yeah i think that's what it's going to take to have a even semi-competitive season against that schedule in lieu of that schedule 
We should start counting how many times I talk about how hard that schedule is. I think that's five this pot alone. So we'll we'll keep a count running. (laughs) But no, I'm right there with you. Um, uh, Let's let's hope for some 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 good Christmas presents here. Let's hope for a great recruiting class. Um, For the record, that will be when our next pod comes out. We will come to you next on the 20th after the first of three technically, but it's the big day, right? Early National Signing Day is on the 20th this year. That is when we will uh, come to you that evening uh, and talk about the class and how it kind of all shaped out because usually everything's pretty much done by that first day. So we will bring you an update then uh, in uh, that evening. I believe it's a Wednesday. Uh, and we will we will talk to you next at that point in time. So until then, wherever you are and whenever you may be listening, thanks for taking the time and we'll see you around, Gator Nation. <laughs>